0: Welcome back to Good Faith Reads. I'm your host, Emma Fraley, one of the fall 2021 Ernest C. Hines Jr. interns here at Good Faith Media. Good Faith Reads is a short podcast released twice a month in which we focus on one of our book authors at Good Faith Media. We've published more than 100 titles under our Nurturing Faith book imprint, and we invite you to check them out at goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Today's guest is E.B. Self, author of the book, Ways of Thinking About God, the Bible, Philosophy, and Science. He's joining us today remotely from Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Ben, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much.
0: We're very glad to have you here. I took a look at your book, Ways of Thinking About God, and I was just wondering if you could give us a basic overview of how you would describe this book.
1: Well, the book is primarily an attempt to indicate that there are various ways of thinking about God. There are many people who concentrate on one way, which, might is, which is often the biblical way, but I thought that there would be other ways as well. So what I'm trying to do is to summarize what I believe the, the Bible has to say about God. And then I'm trying to deal with what some philosophers have had to say about God. And then I'm trying to deal with some scientists who usually do not themselves talk about God all that much, but they have discoveries that are important for people who do think about God. So I was trying to cover all those ways of thinking, the Bible and philosophy and science. And I am, by the way, not a scientist, so I have to uh, give you a warning about that. I'm, I'm trying to deal with what I believe scientists have said. So
0: in terms of writing this book what is something that you may have learned so given that you're maybe not a scientist or not a philosopher something that you learned through the course of this book that you've carried with you through the rest of those years
1: It is very difficult to find people who have the same interest that I have I'll refer to a colleague of mine uh, a history professor who said that even though he is very popular and speaks often and has a great demand for his appearances, he has said that one of his disappointments in life is that people are not as interested in history as he is. I think that there are people who are interested in God, but not necessarily necessarily in thinking about God. Now, if I can try to explain that just a little bit, I think there are people who think about God to some extent in the way that they want God to help them sometimes in the way that they believe that they can serve him. But they don't necessarily want to consider what a number of different people have said about God. So I'm trying to indicate what it is that different people have said and thought about God in order to inform and expand the thinking of all of us. And I would say also that uh, part of the great commandment is to love God with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. So when I first wrote this book, I had the title of Loving God with Your Mind. And just to give you a quick example, after I'd published the book and decided that I would try to get people interested in it, I went to a fairly large church in Louisville, Kentucky. And I thought maybe there would be somebody there who would be interested. And somebody in the office said, why don't you go to the Episcopal Church down at the corner? And I thought, you mean you don't think there's anybody who is a Baptist here who would be interested in this? And so that was kind of a disappointment for me. But I'm afraid that I have found that um, fairly often that people are not quite as interested in thinking about God from different perspectives as they are perhaps in having their own particular interpretation of God, which maybe satisfies them and is sufficient for them but I think is not adequate.
0: As I was reading this book, I noticed that it was very straightforward, very easy to read. A lot of um, really general or basic terms were defined very clearly. It was almost like an introduction to the topic. What was your motivation behind making this book so straightforward and easy to read?
1: Well, a little bit more of my background. When I first started teaching, I was teaching at a college that was fairly new. And some of us had to teach more than one subject. And one subject that I was assigned to teach was freshman composition. So I had not ever had a graduate course in English, but there I was trying to do my best and trying to obey what I thought was the authority above me because I had been assigned to do this. So I got involved in teaching English composition. And The basic idea was expository writing, which is to make things clear to explain things simply if possible. I had also read a number of books earlier on in my life about making things simple and clear. It doesn't help very much if you write about something and nobody understands what it is that you're talking about. So I didn't want to oversimplify, but I did want to make things as clear as possible. And I did, among other things, have a preview in each chapter and had a summary in each chapter, which I realized was to some extent repetitious, but because I was sometimes dealing with difficult material, I thought that was a good thing to do. I'll tell you something else about a friend of mine, a Methodist. She was reading along and she then talked to me about the book. And she said, well, she was really going along with the Bible part of it. And then I threw in this philosophy stuff. And you could tell she just wasn't quite ready to handle the philosophy mm-hmm. stuff. Well, it started with Anselm who is not the easiest philosopher to understand by by any means. And I thought, my goodness, I was trying to make things simple and as clear as possible. But I realized I was dealing with some of the most difficult people who have ever written. And Anselm is one of the most difficult to understand, I believe, and to try to figure out. So she was thrown by that. It It was somewhat difficult. So I was trying to make things clear, but it didn't always succeed because... Uh, people don't have a a background that maybe is sufficient to help them in this area. This particular friend of mine was well-versed in the Bible. She knew practically nothing about philosophy, and so that kind of threw her off, and I was sorry for that, but I still was trying to explain to people as much as possible some things about philosophy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would say that was definitely one of the things that I was struck by most in reading this book is it felt very accessible, um, just very, very clear. And I, I would say, in my opinion, I think you did an excellent job of accomplishing that goal.
1: Well, thank you very much.
0: <laughs> yes. On that note, we'll be right back in about 30 seconds with more of Good Faith Reads. I'm Starlet Thomas, and I invite you to join us for Good Faith Stories. It's a new podcast series from Good Faith Media. In each episode of Good Faith Stories, we'll bring you a collection of different stories tied to a theme, unique and true stories as told by the people who live them. Each story is short, six or seven minutes, with a little mood music. Listen to Good Faith Stories wherever you get your podcasts, and find us online at goodfaithmedia.com org welcome back to good faith reads today we're joined remotely by eb self author of ways of thinking about god i'm emma fraley of good faith media now ben i did notice that in this book after each you know section or chapter there were some like maybe summary questions or questions for additional thought would you say that this book is meant to be used as sort of a teaching material or a group material, or is it something that people could use as, like, a Bible study, for
1: example? Well, I was hoping that that would be the case. I don't know that very many people have done that, but that was my wish that they would do something like that. Uh, my idea was to stimulate further thinking, not just to tell people what to think, but to help them in their thinking. Uh, I have three sons. And they said that sometimes when we would sit around the dinner table, when they were younger, we would talk about different things and something would come up and I would say, well, there are three ways of looking at that. And they would say, wait a minute, we want to know what you think about it. (laughs) And I hesitated to do that because I didn't want to tell them just exactly what I thought. I didn't want to overly influence them. I did want to give them material so that they could think for themselves. And I'm I'm hoping still that there will be people who will use this book perhaps as a group study and will deal with some of those questions.
0: Now, this book did come out in 2013, so it's been a little while, and obviously, maybe the political climate has changed. People's perspectives towards faith and science may be different now. Is there anything that you would change about this book since its publishing?
1: I'm not sure that there's anything I would change about the book. There's something that I've, I've kind of been disturbed about, uh, I grew up in the 1950s, I guess you might say, and I was part of the youth movement, of Youth for Christ movement in Texas, and in the 1950s, uh, there seemed to be quite a few people who were interested in faith, who were interested in going to church, who were interested, I thought, also in morality, as well as in theology, and today it seems as though there are so many people that are, I'm sorry to say, hateful and spiteful and so opinionated, you can hardly speak to them. It's, it's, it's very disturbing. So I don't know whether I would change the book at all or not, because I think i tried to do as the best I could to make it understandable. But today's climate is really, really very difficult. So I believe we're in a climate today whether it's political or religious or whatever, that is really kind of distressing. And you don't seem to have the free and open discussion that I thought we seem to have more of back when I was a younger person. And I was, I guess, writing in terms of what I thought of when I was a younger person, hmm. that everybody would be willing to at least consider something, whether they agreed with it or not, they would at least be willing to consider it and think about it and say, well, you know, maybe I should change my mind a little bit here or a little bit there, something like that. There does not seem to be that opportunity quite so much today.
0: Unfortunately, Ben, I, I think I really, really agree with you on that one. And that, That's the difficult place to be. Now, I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about your writing process. Maybe you have any tips or advice for any other aspiring authors?
1: I know there are people who are very interested in the writing process, I am not the person to talk to about that because I don't consider myself a professional writer by any means. There was a person who asked me one time, you know, how long did it take you to write that book? Of course, his idea was you sit down and you start writing and you write until you come to the end. And there's a certain amount of time in there. Well, for me, writing was not like that at all. I just, accumulated some information over a long period of time and then i would write something down and i would take some time off and then i would go back to it and write some more so it wasn't just sit down start writing whip it out there you have it send it to the publisher everything's okay maybe there are people who do that i don't do it that way
0: that's really nice here's an important note for all of our listeners we at Good Faith Media are always accepting new book proposals. Our authors engage with an experienced team of editors, designers, and marketers to produce and sell books on a variety of topics. If you have a book proposal you'd like to run by us, head on over to goodfaithmedia.org bookstore for more information. That's goodfaithmedia.org bookstore. Now, Ben... I was wondering if you might read for us or summarize maybe a brief passage from the book, maybe because you think it's critical for listeners to hear, it's representative uh, of the book as a whole, or just because you think it's especially important for folks to hear right now.
1: Well, I could give you a quick summary if, if that would be all right. Sure. Yep. With regard to thinking about the Bible, in ter- thinking about God in terms of the Bible, I should say, I thought that there was a, a way to summarize what's uh, in the Bible about God. There's so much in the Bible about God, and I know don't think that any summary is completely adequate by any means, but I thought that if I dealt with certain things such as defining qualities of God in the Bible, such as God is, God is love, God is spirit, God is light, that would be helpful. And then descriptive titles of God, God is creator, God is husband, God is father, God is shepherd, and then deal with divine actions of God, which would be creating, commanding, punishing, redeeming. And I found that for my satisfaction, at least, when I covered the Bible in terms of these categories, I got quite a bit out of the Bible. And I think I summarized fairly well some of the main ideas in the Bible. But in addition to that summary, I did deal with a couple of extra questions. One was God and violence because that's something disturbing to a lot of people. If God is so good and kind and loving, what about violence in relationship to God? Violence seems to be so terrible, brings about harm. And so how do we deal with that? And I thought that there were some answers in in the Bible concerning that, including uh, punishment and testing and even redemption. And then I also dealt with uh, God and human destiny. And, My idea here is that uh, people kind of simplify what is in the Bible. And when you consider the Bible as a whole, there are actually various words and various perspectives in the Bible about human destiny. So I tried to cover Sheol, which is a basic word in the Old Testament, of course, and then Hades and Gehenna and Tartarus. When the Hebrew Bible was translated into Greek, the Septuagint, then Sheol was translated with the Greek word Hades. But Sheol and Hades are really not exactly the same. Sheol is more the idea of everybody going to a gloomy place after death. And Hades is a a place where people go after death. But it's kind of like this life in a way where people eat and drink and are even punished in various kinds of ways. But there's no fire there. And then there's Gehenna which is associated with fire, going back to the Valley of Hinnom in the Old Testament. And that was a place of child sacrifice and even a place of burial, and it became a garbage dump. And then there's Tartarus, which is not mentioned all that much. But there's more in the Bible about human destiny than just references to heaven, which are not all that clear always anyway, and hell. And I wish that that people would think about the Bible a little bit more in that particular way.
0: When I started the process of reading this book, you know, the whole first section is, as you mentioned previously, you know, explaining how the Bible defines God or describes God. And so for you to then to kind of shift the narrative a little bit and take it away from what God is to more of what he does, I -hmm. thought that was a really helpful kind of method to almost it, uh, use an application of the prior explained um, aspects and then use that as an explanation for, you know, human destiny, as you mentioned. So I really appreciated that part of your book for sure.
1: Well, good. Thank you.
0: Yes, of course. Our guest today on Good Faith Reads has been E.B. Self, author of Ways of Thinking About God. This book, along with more than 100 other titles, is available both as a print book as well as an ebook at goodfaithmedia.org slash bookstore. Ben, we appreciate you so much for being our guest today. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much.